Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. All right. I wanted to share one thing real quick, and it does lead into the message that I have today. I don't know. I mentioned this last week uh, about the ark. How many of you've seen it, maybe? The ark encounter right on the border of Ohio and Kentucky. Full-sized, Ken Ham felt like he needed to build this thing and show people what it really looked like. And if that wasn't enough, he decided he also needed to add the, the rainbow to it. Because God said, I'm giving you a sign. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. Now here's the thing, and Ken goes on to say this on his website, but he says, the first time it was a flood that cleansed the earth of the unrighteousness. The second time it's going to be fire. I share this for two reasons. Ken is right. And you and I need to understand that that rainbow was God's sign for us. Every time it rains, we're supposed to look up and say, the Lord's not going to flood us anymore. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Now, recognize that doesn't mean there, there will be, not be small floods here and there. We see them all the time. That would obviously take away from Scripture. But you'll find this in Genesis 9, 12-17. And then, as I said, the next time that this happens... The earth is going to be judged by fire. And we are actually going to read a little bit about that today in Revelation chapter 8. Would you stand with me one more time as we open with the word of prayer? Would you extend a hand toward me and just pray with me? Lord, touch this man's mouth. As Pastor Norm speaks, I pray he'd give me a word. That's straight from you. Give me a heart to receive, ears to hear, eyes to see what you're saying and speaking to me today. I give you my life, all that I am, all that I have. Use me, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We're going to get through this quick. And you'll see why here in just a minute. All right, Revelation chapter 8. I'm reading from the New Living Testament. Now this is a short passage, a short chapter. 13 verses. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. Now, you need to contrast this with prior to this, there was all this excitement, all this worship, instruments playing people speaking out, holy, 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 and, and so on and so forth. And the church is there, worshiping with the angels and worshiping with the elders. And that's good news, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, as that seal was opened, there was dead silence. Kind of like this, except some of you are still trying to find the place. Most scholars agree that this silence was really shock and awe, if you will, because everyone began to realize what was coming to earth. The judgment that was going to follow the seven trumpets. Verse 2, I saw the angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Now, we don't know who exactly these seven angels are, but we know that they have to be very powerful. They could be similar to Michael and Gabriel, but we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that. So obviously they're powerful angels. Verse 3, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. Now again, I don't want to go into this in detail too much today just because we've already talked about what the incense was, how it's mixed with the prayers of the saints who were under the altar, who were killed during the tribulation. 
But I did want to mention that Dr. Jack Van Impe feels like this is Jesus. He's the only one who can minister to man and God. Now, not all the scholars agree with Jack. Some feel that it's just another angel, not just, it's another angel uh, because this angel isn't actually atoning for sins. He's just taking the incense burner and is about to do something with it, as we're going to see. Verse 4, The smoke of the incense, mixed with the prayers of God's holy people, ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Again, this is just showing us God hears your prayers. How many pray in this room? How many pray in this room? Man, if you don't, what are you here for? Really? It's a mandate. It's not a if you feel like it. It's a given that you will as a Christian. As, even if you're a seeker, you should be praying, God, show me who you are. That's a prayer if you don't know that. All right? We all ought to be praying, and God hears our prayers. Now, I'm going to throw a word at you. You'll have to look up. This next verse is where the people's imprecatory prayers are answered. <laughs> imprecatory. You look that up in your little Google things right now. Verse 5, here we go. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. I don't want to be here. (laughs) I just don't. You know, there are people who say, we're going to go through this. I don't believe it. I believe we are going to be separated from this because this is judgment Judgment comes on those who have not made a decision for Christ. Judgment is for those who rebel against God. If you're a believer, if you're born again, you're not rebelling. You've said yes to Him. You've said, whatever you want to do, Lord, have your way with me. Hallelujah. Realize this is before the seven trumpets are even blown (laughs) that this part happens. If that's the case, what's going to follow? Let's let's find out. Here we go. The first four. Then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blast. So the earth is just put into a state of awakening. Let me tell you something. They're not going to miss this one. All right? They're not going to go, oh, what was that? Uh Uh-uh. They're going to know this is God. The first angel blew his trumpet. And hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. Sounds kind of gory. For those of you who like watching those zombie movies, this is for you. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned. And all the green grass was burned. Have you ever been around sticky blood when it gets hot? (sighs) It's nasty. The view about this whole verse right here is that this is very similar to how God judged the Egyptians back in uh, the book of Exodus 9, 22-23. This is not anything that we want to have happen. All right? We believe this is a literal hail and fire being thrown down on the earth. A third of the the earth is on fire. A third of the trees will be gone. And this will of course lead to starvation as the fruit trees and the grass and and all the crops are burned up in this one third of the earth. Whether asteroids or something else, this is just the beginning of the judgments to come. You know, if you don't take anything else out of this message than what I'm sharing today, first, I pray it'd scare, you, scare the hell out of you and that you turn to Jesus if you haven't already. Second, if you already have accepted what Jesus did for you on the cross, I pray that it would put in you a desire to reach the lost. 
Because they need to hear the truth. They need to be given that opportunity to receive or accept what Jesus did for them. Verse 8, Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One third of the water in the sea became blood. Here we go again. Zombie people. One third of all things living in the sea died. One third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. One third of the ocean becomes blood. Have you ever seen any of those algae blooms on TV? It, it completely wipes out anything. Nothing can breathe in it. It kills everything. This toxic water is going to hit one-third of our oceans. Think about that just for a minute. And then this object that John saw, this great mountain of fire, it contaminates a third of the ocean. All the fish are dead. All the plant life's dead. All the ships, military, fishing, and cruise ships destroyed in that instant. Think about that. A third of all these ships, fishing ships, ships that feed us, that take cargo from one side of the world to the other, gone. Do you realize the pandemonium that's going to follow here? As the earth tries to recover, as the people try to, to fill what this place over here used to give them, now those fish are gone. Now those ships are gone. Now they've got to fend for themselves. Are you catching the, the intensity of this moment? Now in the New King James Version, or the King James, it, this is translated like a great mountain. And I said this before, but... Uh, sometimes the NLT misses a translation. This might be another opportunity where that happens. Leica would tell us what? That it could be something else. It's not a literal mountain, but it just looks like a mountain. So John could have been seeing maybe a, an atomic bomb blowing up. To him, that might have looked like a mountain because those infamous mushroom clouds, you, you know what they look like. I, I always thought they kind of looked like a mountain. But whatever it is, it could have been an asteroid, a meteor, whatever, falling into the ocean and destroying a third of it. That's pretty intense. The third angel. He blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. Now this could easily be a nuclear bomb that hits here. And I, as I was studying this out, it could also be the supernatural hand of God. Don't, I don't want to take away from anything God's doing here, all right? But it could be, and the reason I say the nuclear bomb is this, the name Chernobyl, how many have heard of that? They had a meltdown, remember? Well, that name in, in uh, Ukrainian actually means, and i got to look at this, mugwort, which is a species of wormwood, which means bitter. That's where we get our, the vermouth is made from wormwood. And that's where they get that, they call it bitters, all right? All the water in the streams and the lakes is going to be bitter. And if people drink it, they're going to die from it. So it's not just going to taste horrible, it's going to kill them. I would say that there's a lot of stuff going on here. Wouldn't you? The fourth angel. He blew his trumpet and one-third of the sun was struck, one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. Only God can strike these celestial bodies like this. This is truly going to be a supernatural event. One man said this will most likely result in 16 hours of darkness and a third will be daylight. Now, for you that live in Gaylord, that's winter, but this will be round the clock. It'll be like this, all right? 
Everything's going to change. The earth's atmosphere is going to change dramatically. You still with me? Then I looked. John's saying this. Then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Terror. Terror. Terror to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. If you're reading the King James or the New King James, this is whoa, 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 W-O-E, whoa, whoa, whoa. That means something destructive is coming. Just remember the last four angels, the trumpets that were blown and what happened. And did you see what I just read? This is nothing compared to what the last three trumpets are going to bring. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6-8, and you will hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first part of birth pains with more to come. He's talking about this moment. How much worse can it get? <laughs> Again, Dr. Van Ippy feels that this point right here is the middle of the tribulation. The first three and a half years, if you want to call it peaceful, is going to be what I just described. Yes, peaceful in comparison to what's to come in the last three and a half. That's what's going to take place here as the last three trumpets are blown. Jesus points this out as well in Matthew 24. 20, 21 and 22, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. This Great tribulation, this last three and a half years, and we're going to get to this in about three weeks, but it's nothing that we want to go through. We already saw what's going to happen after the first four angels blew their trumpets. When we meet again on the subject, we're going to find out what the last three judgments bring. I also want you to note that all of these are gradually increasing in intensity. It's getting worse. If you're trying to tell somebody something, Adam, if you don't mind, I'm going to use you, man. Adam, move. No, sit back down. Avoid me. Avoid me. Don't listen to me right now. Normally I want you to listen to me, but not today. Adam, move. Adam, move. Adam, move. All right, now you can move. Yeah, I know, you're confused. See, he, he is such a good guy, he, immediately he was going to move. I'm trying to show you something. The reason that the, this, this whole thing is intensifying isn't because God is trying to wipe the people out, he's trying to get their attention. There are still millions, if not billions of people that are denying Christ and that are rebelling against God. And the Lord's saying, wake up! Get a clue. Because if you don't, I'm just going to keep sending more and more until you figure out what I'm doing here. I'm trying to get your attention. That's the intensity. That's what we're going to see. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now when I began this series... I told you that I was going to be changing this up every now and then. <laughs> right? So, here's what happened this week. Late Thursday night, and I mean late. It's not usually when I'm up, but I was up. And I'm laying there, 
in bed, and I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm not even thinking. And all of a sudden, I get this vision, and, and stuff starts going around in my head, and I'm thinking, huh, I think this might be from the Lord. So I start paying attention, you know. Have, have you ever gotten something from the Lord in the middle of the night, and then the next morning you forgot what it was, and you went, oh, I wish I'd written that down last night. Yeah, this was like that, and it kept coming to me, and I wasn't sure. if I, At first I thought I was dreaming, but then I realized it wasn't a dream. So with your permission, I'm going to deviate from Revelation. I did That was part one that you just got. This is part two because I really felt strongly that somebody here today needs to hear this next message, this part. So if you will, go ahead and put that next group of slides up for me. There you go. How many know I like to fish? So I just figured it was, it was probably... Yeah, yeah, Al. Yeah. You, you have a special delivery? Okay, all right. Well, all right. You know me, so I don't... Where is it? Oh, you're bringing... All right, all right, all right. Whew. I don't know why there's two glasses of water, one for me and one for the Holy Ghost. Maybe they thought two of us were going to preach today. I wish. Then I could sit down. And... It's already unlocked, guys, or it was. There you go. What could I possibly be getting delivered? No! Man, you guys are smart. Boy, that looked a lot smaller in my dream, but... All right, guys. Can you get her up here? There you go. Al, I'll even give you a hand, man. Don't anybody fall back there. I'd feel terrible if anybody got hurt in God's dream. All right, all right. Whew. You still with me? All right, here we go. I don't know about this. I, I'm, I'm kind of... All right, so here's the deal. I'm looking at this and I'm going, what's this all about? wonder who sent it. In my dream, I'm thinking this. All right? And all of a sudden, I, I hear this voice say, get in the boat. What? Get in the boat. And I'm thinking, all right, all right. It's not a very nice boat, though. But I'll get in the boat because God told me to get in the boat. Why, why do you want me to get in the boat? Well, hey, wait a minute. I have a right, don't I? To ask questions? Get in the boat. Oh, all right. You know, when God starts getting firm with you, how many get in the boat? All right, can you still see me? All right. Lord, Lord, you know, this is what it's going to be like, too, in my boat. Maybe not yours. If I ever ask you if you want to go on an adventure, don't go with me. My family knows, my friends know. Usually that means water and boat sinking. So don't do it. All right? So here I am. I'm looking at this boat, and I'm like, but Lord, this boat is so small. And it really, it doesn't look that nice. Can't you give me a little better boat? How many know what I'm saying? All right? And the Lord said to me, Norm, 
This boat is small and kind of rickety for a reason. I don't want you trusting in the boat. I want you trusting in me. So I'm sitting there going, oh, you're probably right. <laughs> well, not probably. You, you are right, Lord, all right? And, and so he kept telling me, get in the boat. Duh. Okay, I got in the boat. And the boat, it really symbolizes our need for Jesus. Do you get that part? God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and our Savior. Sometimes we forget about that Lord part, though. And for you that are believers, I really want you to get this today. He is our Lord. Jesus Christ is our Savior, but He is our Lord. And you need to grab hold of this. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is the boat. Think about Noah, all right? What did God have him do? He had him build a, an ark. For what? Safety. Because a big flood was coming, judgment was coming, and he wanted to protect Noah and his family and two of each kind of animal. Right? You're with me? Jesus is our Savior. So when we get into the boat, what we're really doing is we're putting Jesus on. And, and that's what God is asking us to do today. All right? You still with me? Okay. God said, get in the boat. So step one is, get in the boat. Can you see that behind me? Now, this part is weird, and I admit it, and I almost forgot it again today. This is part two. Can you see it? I almost forgot to grab it. What could such a little thing have to do with this boat? You know, I remember this was a few years ago, and she's not here today. Uh, she's actually downstate with the rest of my family. They bailed on me today, pun intended. So here I am all alone, and I, I, I wanted to go fishing. Barb agreed to go with me. I didn't call it an adventure. And I, I got hurried, all right? There was somebody trying to get in the launch, and I was ahead of them, so I thought, oh, I'll just quick run it in. Barb, you grab that rope and then pull the boat in, and we'll go when I get back after parking the truck. You know what I'm saying if you ever put your boat in. By the time I'm halfway back to the launch, I hear my wife yelling, Norm, Norm, there's water in the boat. <laughs> it was this boat too, by the way. By the time I got down here, it was right up to here. The boat was underwater. And it, I quickly realized the flaw. I forgot the plug. Put the plug in the boat. Jeez, I didn't know it was going to be this much fun, but... Okay, so plugs in the boat. All right, so... Uh, sorry. I'm having it. I feel like I'm really in the water. <laughs> so I asked the Lord, I said, okay, <laughs> plugs in the boat. But what, what's the plug all about? He said, the plug is your part. I said, what's that? He said, I saved you. Now you have to avoid the sin. I'm like, uh-oh. I knew this wasn't going to take a direction I wanted it to. I have some scriptures to back this up. And again, these are scriptures that I felt the Lord laid on my heart. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all Sexual sin, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. First Peter 1, 14 to 16, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You know what I'm saying, right? You know what Peter's saying here. Don't slip back into those old evil desires. 
You didn't know any better then, but you do now, don't you? But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Is this a, an option for us? It's a command, isn't it? Be holy, for I am holy. Finally, Philippians 4, 8, many of you have this memorized. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is that Romans where God says don't conform any longer to this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I believe there's going to be a message on this somewhere down the road in about two weeks, right? We need to be changed by the blood of the Lamb. So you're with me. Put the plug in. Step three. Oh, this is, this is hard. Rest in me. Some of you have a real difficult time with this because you want to do everything. You don't want to rest in the Lord. Some of you don't know how to sit still for two minutes. You're like throwing a Super Bowl in a room. It takes it an hour to stop bouncing. That's you. Or the squirrel that drinks the cappuccino in, in Over the Hedge or whatever that movie's called. You know what I'm saying. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of what Jesus said in, in that word. Where's Melanie? Raise your hand, Melanie. That word today, when you said it, I was like, yes. Because that always tells me it confirms where I'm going. Matthew chapter 11. Then Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is you know, when God gives us something, it's not hard to do. It's easy. He does the hard stuff. It's up to us just to listen and obey and to rest in Him. In the boat, you'll find peace that passes all understanding. As you are obedient to what God's called you to do, you will find this peace that passes all understanding. I also realized that by placing the yoke of Jesus on myself, and you too, when you take that yoke and put it on yourself, what it means is, Lord, I am willing to go wherever you lead me. You know what a yoke is, right? One side is strapped on to one ox, the other side, the other ox. Now in this case, one is Jesus, the other is you, or me in this case. So wherever Jesus goes, wherever Jesus leads... I'm going. I don't have a choice. Well, I do. But if, if I try to stop when God's trying to lead me someplace, I end up stopping the work of Jesus. Are you getting that? How many know that Jesus has a plan for each one of us? And, and this Scripture is worn out, but I still love it. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God loves us. And when we climb into His boat, He's going to take us places. Good places. But, when we put that yoke on, we have to realize, I am willingly yielding to the Lord, and I'll go wherever He wants me to go. Can I get a good amen? So yoking up with Jesus, yuck, 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 yoking up with Jesus means new adventures. There's that word. Only when you go on an adventure with Jesus, it won't be disastrous like Pastor Norm. <laughs> yoking up with Jesus means new adventures, untold promises and blessings as you learn to yield to the Master, Jesus Christ. Remember, He is Lord. He is Lord. Then I looked around and I realized something. Lord, there's no motor. There's no oars. There's no mast with a sail on it. Uh-oh. 
I can't go anywhere. And the Lord said, I'll take care of that. Have you ever heard of the wind of the Spirit? And I had to stop and I thought, oh, I remember that. I remember that passage. The New King James, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. If you're born again, you're born of the Spirit. God is going to blow you where you need to go. You're not going to find yourself somewhere where you're not supposed to be. You're going to be exactly where God wants you to be unless you're fighting Him. Are you hearing me? So step four, let the Holy Spirit lead you. When you get into the Lord's boat, He is in control, even when it seems He is not. Did you catch that? The Lord is in control, even when it seems it is not. Does the Lord ever send His people into hard places? Yes, of course He does. But regardless of where He sends us, the Lord is always in control. And I heard him say this to me. He says, I am in control of all things. The seasons. The storms. The water in the storms. Even where the storms blow. He's in control of all of this. And I was reminded of this. And I just saw this this last week, so I, I put it up. God knows exactly who you need what you need, how you'll need it, and when to bring it. Can you say that with me? God knows exactly who you need, what you need, how you'll need it, and when to bring it. You don't have to worry. If you're resting in Jesus, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about all this stuff. God's going to bring just the right people into your path. He's going to put you right where you need to be at just the right moment. And, and I immediately, it has to do with water, I'm sure, but I immediately was taken to this. Mark 4, and, and I'm reading from verse 37 through 41, but you'll also find it in Matthew. As I mentioned, Jesus was in this storm. A fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. I'm telling you, can you imagine? Are you with me? Can you picture it? Jesus was sleeping. I can't picture this. Jesus was sleeping. I can't even picture him doing it right now with me just doing this. He's in the back of his boat with his head on a cushion. What? Lord, would you take a Benadryl? The disciples couldn't take it. They woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're all going to drown? What are they in? What are they in? With who? So am I. I'm in the boat with Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> but they were scared. Lord, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence! Be still. I don't know if he yelled it like that, but there's an exclamation mark in my silence be still suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm then he asked them why are you afraid where's your faith <laughs> i'm gone i would have done the same thing i've been in that boat and i cried to jesus help and he did the disciples, verse 41 says, were absolutely terrified. Not because of the storm, but they said, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's the God we serve. <laughs> Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now if you would allow me just a little liberty here this morning, could it be, and, and this hit me, <laughs> could it be, that the disciples were really saying, Lord, we don't like the path that we're on here. <laughs> Please change it. Anybody here ever say that? 
Lord, I don't like this cancer that I've got. I don't want to have to go through this. Please change it. What Paul say, Lord, take this thorn away. How many times he asked? Three times. But the Lord replied, my grace is sufficient. Listen to me. Storms are going to pop up out of nowhere. We're not guaranteed as a Christian, as a believer, as a son of the Most High God, a child of God, a daughter of the Most High God. We are not guaranteed that we'll never have to face storms. In fact, we will. And in your heart, you may be tempted to say, I don't want to take this path. And listen, I'm not talking about the storms that are a result of our sinfulness. Sometimes we bring things on us that we bring them on because we're not being obedient to God's Word. We're not doing what He's called us to do. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about good, if we can use that word, righteous Christians, because none of us are good, righteous Christians who are following Jesus. They're in the boat. They got the plug in there. They're resting in the Lord, and they're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them. And then the storm pops up. Let me say this to you. We're inclined to say, Lord, get me out of this. But what if that path, what if that path is exactly where God wants you to be? When the apostles were thrown in prison, how many were led to the Lord? We know that the jailer was. Right? Recently, I, I, I got another prayer request. Pray that Pastor so-and-so, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Pray that Pastor so-and-so gets out of jail. He's in a tur Turkish jail. Lord, let's just pray right now. Lord, we just pray, and I don't know the pastor, but you do, Lord. We pray your will be done in that man's life. And if he's leading people to the Lord, God, keep him there. Keep him strong. Keep him faithful. And when it's time, Lord, deliver him from the clutches of the enemy. We pray in Jesus' name. But hear me, and this is what they said in this Turkish prison. He's in this room that's designed for 10, and there were, I think they said, 19 in the room. All unbelievers. Captive audience. Wow. I'm sure he's saying, Lord, get me out of here. But like Jesus said in the garden... Not my will. If there's another way, I'm ready. Get me out of this. But if there isn't, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Sometimes that's where we find ourselves. Amen? And then I was reminded of Joseph. The coat of many colors. By the way, if you're the youngest in the family, don't tick your older brothers off. <laughs> they will hurt you. But sometimes, and this is found in Genesis 39 and following, sometimes you must go through the prison before you can get to the palace. It's God's plan. We don't always understand it. But if that's His will, we have to be willing to do it. You still with me? And here's the thing, if we're not careful, and I talked about this briefly a little bit ago, if we're not careful we can take matters into our own hands because we're uncomfortable. Rather than leaning on Jesus, rather than trusting that He's in control of this boat, we decide... We decide we'll paddle on our own. Hey, He didn't give me an oar. He didn't give me a sail. He didn't give me a motor. I got hands. Because <laughs> we don't like the direction that our boat's going. Catch this part. When you get in God's boat, you give up the right to steer. Is He your Lord? I used to see 
uh, the bumper sticker that said, God is my co-pilot. And then finally somebody got it right, and they said, God's driving. <laughs> God's driving. He ain't my co-pilot. He's driving. But because of free will, you can decide not to go where Jesus wants you to go. You can deviate from God's chosen path for you and begin to take your own path. Let me remind you of somebody else that did that in the Bible. Actually, it was a whole nation. For about 40 years, I think it was, the Israelites went around and around the desert and around and around the desert. 40 years and they didn't get it. And they never entered the promised land. Why? Because in their hearts they were rebellious. They didn't want to do it God's way. In fact, they fought Him tooth and nail. They didn't like the manna. God, we're sick and tired of the manna. Please send us something else. So what God send? Quail, partridge. We have partridge up here. And they started, oh, we got something new. But there were so many, the Bible says, the quail were coming out of their nostrils. They were eating them so much. Now, I don't know about you, but you eat something over and over and over and over. <sighs> they were rebellious. They didn't want to go where God wanted them to go. This is tragic, but it's true. Don't take 40 years to figure out where God wants you to go. How long will you keep trying to paddle your own boat? Contradicting what God wants you to do. And this can apply to so many things. To your being called as a missionary. I don't want to go. To your being faithful in a local church. I don't want to do anything. I just want to come in, I want to hear a good message, and I want to leave when I want to leave. But the Lord has other things for you to do. And this leads me to these two yahoos in the picture. You don't, you don't know what it took me to get this picture. It was easy. I just snapped the photo. But you don't know what it took me to get these two guys to do it. I'm like, come on, I need a picture of somebody drag, being dragged through the sand. How hard is it? I'm not going to tell you who they were, but Dad, what do you want us to do this for? <laughs> but I'm not telling you their names. Are you familiar with dragging your feet? Some of us are doing that with the Holy Spirit. You need to get rid of that sin in your life. Because here's what's happening. When you allow sin to come in, what you're doing... I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Hi! Hi there! I'm in charge. Glub, glub, glub. Is Bob here? Oh, I'm sorry, Bob, about this next part. You've heard this before. I borrowed Bob's boat. I borrowed Bob's boat with a brand new 15-horse Mercury four-stroke $3,000 motor. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> Pastor, why don't you take my boat? Okay. And I went out by myself, and it was raining that night, and I, I wasn't paying much attention, apparently. And I got lost. I couldn't see where I was going. I couldn't tell where the men were. So I call them on my phone. I say, where are you? Where are you? I'm on Black Lake, and I can't find the cottage that we rented. And I couldn't even hardly see. So I get this idea. I said, do any of you guys have one of those strobe lights? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got one. I said, turn it on! I can't tell where I'm at. Well, they turned it on, and I still couldn't see it. And I'm like, uh-oh. 
problems. What I forgot to tell you was, I had these boots on that came up to here. And I'm in the boat like this with my raincoat on and, and it's over my head. I can't hear because the, the rain's hitting my vinyl plastic noggin. I'm looking, looking, looking and I'm not seeing it. Finally, I come around this point and I see it way down. He ain't throwing anything at me yet. And I'm just flying. Have you heard this story, Bob? And all of a sudden, something you never want to experience happened. Now it's dark. I can't see other than I'm focusing on this guy's strobe light. And I felt the water go over my boot. Uh oh, Chango! <laughs> I had the plug in. What happened was the water was coming over the back of the boat. It was so strong. There were three foot white caps, and I didn't realize it was coming right in the boat. I quick grabbed my waterproof flashlight. I always carry a waterproof flashlight because you never. I turned it on, and my gas tank's floating here. My giant tackle box is floating here. All my life preservers are trying to come out of the boat, and that's when I realized I'm in trouble. And Bob, I thought of you. I pictured you with your 30 6 <laughs> He likes to hunt. And I, I pictured this giant motor on the back, and I quick, I brought the thing up, you know, like you do, so it doesn't hit the bottom. I brought it up, and I jumped out of the boat. I didn't even know how deep it was. Thank God it was four feet. I was only in up to here. And I start running toward that strobe light. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Help! Help! And there are nine guys on the shore going, Is he calling for help? <laughs> Finally, and I don't think he's here. Is Greg here today? He, he's not here. Finally, Greg Schwark and his son jump in the water and run out to me. They were the only guys that answered my call. And they brought a rope, and we tied it to the front, and the other six guys on shore, or seven, whatever the math is, they helped us pull the boat up. I didn't lose a thing except for a little teeny tackle box. I don't even know where that went, but I didn't care because Bob's motor was still running after all this. Thank God. Why did I even bring that up? Because that's what happens when you pull the plug. You're going under, baby. Leave the plug in. Don't do things your own way. Do them God's way. Are you dragging your feet? I hope not. Moving in a direction other than the one God destined you to take will only lead to hardship, pain, and failure. Amen. Finally, steps to faithful living. Get in the boat. Put the plug in. Rest in Him. Let the Holy Spirit lead. I'm getting out of the boat. <clears throat> Woo. That was fun. I want to leave you with Three short scriptures. Many of you have already got some of these memorized. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will. Amen. Proverbs 16.9 We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He'll choose the direction. And last, oh, I love this one. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But the key is, you got to get in the boat. you got to get in the boat. Folks, would you stand with me as we close? Whew. This message... Well, God's Word 
You know, it's awesome. It helps change us. It improves us. God did a good job when He first created us. But then when He put Jesus in us, we're the new and improved version, right? And that means you've gotten in the boat. I don't know if everybody here has gotten in the boat. Maybe you're here today and you say, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't getting in that boat. You want to keep paddling and paddling and paddling. But here's the thing. You're going to keep paddling right into the tribulation. Right into that message that I gave at the beginning when all the judgments are going to hit the earth. Because if you're not blood-bought, born again, spirit-filled, you're going through it. So everybody's head bowed. Eyes closed. Nobody looking around, please. This is a moment between you and the Lord. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, Pastor Norm, I want to get in the boat today. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life and I want Him to start steering me where I need to go. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up so I can see it clearly? Yep, yep, yep. Anybody else? Yep. Others? Yep, yep. Anybody else? You can put them down if you already raised them. Anybody else that hasn't already raised your hand? Hallelujah. Lots of people getting in the boat today. Now, this one's for you believers. (laughs) Pastor Norm, I've been paddling too much. I've been trying to do things my way instead of God's way. I think sometimes I feel like I pulled the, the plug out. If that's you, lift your hands up right now so I can see them. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. Put them down. Here's the thing, and before I do any kind of altar call, Where's my friend? Where's our prophetess? Would you come up today, Julie? She has a word. And I I felt so... I'm convinced this is where it was supposed to go. You know, as we were praising and worshiping, I felt there was rain in the Spirit. It was raining. It was beautiful. And the Lord says, Come near, children, come near. I want to wash off of you what you don't need on you perhaps you've taken it on from somebody else perhaps you put it on yourself the Lord says not only do I want to wash it from you but my in my reign today I want to give you refreshment I want to give you blessing so if you're in need of refreshment today and you say I need more of a touch from you Lord or I need a touch from you the Lord is saying it's available today Come up and receive my blessing. Come unto me, you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you're in any one of those capacities, you just need that rain to come on you, you want to get in the boat, or you've been paddling, I want you to come up to the front, would you? The Holy Spirit works it out. Worship team's coming up. They're gathering around the boat. Sorry about that. And we're going to sing Let It Rain. Here's the thing. (laughs) You know, every one of you, whether you're in your seat or up here, God loves you. He loves the daylights out of you. He sent His Son. Jesus is in the boat, but spiritually speaking, He came to save us. And when you put your trust and your faith in Him, you begin to look like Him. You take on the likeness of God's Son, Jesus. And that's what you're doing right now. By coming up here, you're saying, Lord, I want to look more like Jesus today. Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me into a place where I do look more like Jesus today. So that I can be Jesus to myself, to my family, to those on the street corner. 
so that I can speak to the storm. Peace, be still. And that storm will have to be still. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.